it, said the little pig. I'll buy those sticks and build a house. I'd think twice about that, said the man. Oh, whatever, what would you know? And he bought the sticks and went to the work building a house. Very pretty, he said. No sooner had the little pig settled into his pretty house than the wolf happened by. He was still hungry and he said, little pig, little pig, let me come in. But when I said that, it should be like, okay? No, 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 not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. This was my favorite story. Not this version, but I did find Little Red Riding Hood, and I found a whole book, you guys, in my library of all these short stories of Hansel and Gretel, Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, this one is June. Not really sure what that's about. Um, did you guys ever listen to the Billy Goats Gruff? Okay, okay. All of these stories. Did you know that the Little Red Riding Hood has been told since the year 900? I did not know that. You guys are so wide. There's so many of you. Oh, man. Can you, turn, can you sit on that couch with her so I can see your face? Thanks. Great. Uh, did you know that Hansel and Gretel was first written in 1314? I didn't know that. These stories have been told for generations. Over and over, we all could probably tell the 20 versions of Goldilocks of my chair is not, is too hard. My bed is too soft, whatever, right? We've, we've all heard these stories. These are called fables. And fables play a key role in our society. They use pictures and characters to teach the listeners what is morally right and what is wrong. They reveal timeless and universal truths and themes about relationships, politics, human experience. Just like the authors of these stories, Jesus is going to use examples and stories in his words tonight that are timeless. Anyone can understand them. So I'm going to pray quick because I jumped into our fables and I didn't even get to pray because I was so excited about the three little pigs. Okay? Heavenly Father, be with us this evening as we finish our circle of learning to love others. And Lord, your words are challenging this week as we are to love people that we might not like and we might struggle with. And so, Lord, I just help ask that you would help us with our hearts and minds to um, hear your words, let them um, marinate into our souls and our minds and our hearts that we could live them out. In Jesus' name. So, last week, we'd have this circle, which no one came up to me and gave me all these weird things about the circle, right? So, we have God's love. God's love goes to me or to you. Then I can love myself, and because I love myself, I can love others. And the cycle, we see that people, we love others, and then they see God's love, and the circle goes on and on. Flashback, a couple weeks, actually it was probably a month ago, my friend John, he came up and told you how the way Jesus does things, he like flipped the script, okay? So Jesus is flipping the script once again. Let's jump in. Luke 6, 27. Nick, you with me? Love your enemies. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. So verse 31 is the golden rule. What's the golden rule? 
You all know it. What is it? Treat others how you wish to be treated. Some of you are like, okay, Amanda, I've heard the golden rule since I was four. Great. But did you know the golden rule is, is intended for your enemy as well? You're like, that is outrageous. That is crazy. And I'm going to say two things to you about that. Number one, I told you that Jesus' way is different. So accept it. It's different. It's weird. Number two, I want to be clear that in verses 28 and 29, Jesus is not saying that if you were being bullied or harassed or abused, that you need to be a doormat and let that happen. That's just a side note, okay? So, but he is asking you that you should not seek revenge and you should pray for them. Some of you are thinking, loving my enemy is hard and it might even be impossible. And I would respond and say, yes, it is hard. And actually, Jesus recognizes it in the next set of verses. Luke 6, 32, 34. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from who you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to, lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Jesus is saying loving people who you love is super easy. People we like, that's great. That's easy. I can do that. He recognizes that. But loving people who are mean, difficult, is hard. And he's saying, I see your difficulty. But, verse 35 says, and he repeats his message again. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. His message is to be kind to all people, to give to all people, even when we're like, what are you going to do with that, and why do you really want my things? And expect nothing in re return. That means no repayment, no good job, no thank you, no like pat on your back. Like, okay, he's asking to just give and to love. Tom Wright, in his, Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, in his commentary says this. Think of the best thing that you can do to the worst person. Excuse me? Best thing, worst person? And, and do it. Think of what you'd really like someone to do for you and do it to them. Think of the people to whom you are tempted to be nasty and give generos generously to them. Living like this, back to Jesus, you know how we talked about how he is using examples that any, it's timeless. This to me is like a beautiful red rose growing out of a yucky piece of cement or if you've talked to me before this, and who anyone in my life knows that I just went to the landfill, this is what it looks like to me. This beautiful rose growing out of this heaping pile of garbage. That is what we could be. So I asked myself two questions. What would life truly be like if we lived this way? And can we really live this out? So there's this person in my life that I bump into all the time. I cannot get away from this person. This person works at an establishment that I am there like three times a week. 
They send emails. They send me texts. They are rude. She is not professional. She, um, what else can I say about her? Just being in her presence literally makes me cringe, okay? She says one thing, and she does the complete opposite. I got an email, do not do this, do not do this, and I'm sitting at this thing, and three things down, she is doing the exact thing that she told me not to do. And you work here? Okay. See, I get worked up just thinking about it, okay? So when I read what Jesus asks me to do, I think of her. And his command to love others even when it's hard. How do I want to respond in the, to her? How should I respond to her? So to answer this question, we're going to skip ahead. We're going to go back, but we're going to skip to Luke 6, 46 and 49, and we're going to work our way backwards. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug, dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood rose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. First, Jesus is saying, you call me Lord. Lord means you have control over my life. So where's these, he's saying people are yelling out to him, Lord, Lord, and yet they're not doing what he asks them to do. Do we not trust him? He uses pictures like the three little pigs, building a house out of straw, twigs, bricks, and Jesus says, we need a foundation on him. What does a foundation on God even look like? Well, let's look at Jesus as our role model. Have you noticed like people don't be like, I want to be like Jesus when I grow up. They're like, I want to be like LeBron James. Okay, anyways. We need to be connected to God in relationship. Jesus repeatedly leaves all the people and he spends time in prayer because he's connected to his father. Once we believe in Jesus, we get access to the father. The Bible says, that, welcome, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand. So think of the throne of God. I don't even know what that looks like, but think of it, this throne. And next to the Father, Jesus is at his right side, and he is literally going, I know Amanda sometimes messes up, but she does love you. He is praying on our behalf. He is sitting there on our behalf talking to God the Father uh, for us. And once we believe in him, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our heart so that we can do these really hard things like love people who are so difficult. Number two thing we need to do, we need to read his, word and, his words and promises. If you don't want to get your life or your house blown over by the big bad wolf, we need to have our foundation on his word. We need to know what he says about us and how he wants us to live. So my mini challenge to you is to spend five minutes a day starting Proverbs or Psalms and just read what he says. Once we are working on our foundation and have this really strong foundation, we, it transforms us and we can live out hard things, but we will never get it perfect. 
He doesn't want, Jesus doesn't want another checklist. In the Bible, there's this whole book called the Leviticus, and it's like, don't eat this food, don't do this. Don't. He doesn't want that for his people. He is telling us, I don't want you to have a checklist. I want you to trust in what I have for you. I want you to go out, and I want you to love people. And that's going to look different for Saray than it is for me, and it's going to look different in each of our lives because we're different and we have different lives. But because of him in our life, we can be in tune with him and be connected to him and know, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How am I supposed to respond to this lady who drives me crazy? So this is why his command says, love God, love yourself, and love others. And so the hope is we love others and so they love God and the whole, it changes the world and it changes us. But how do we do this? Let's go to verse 43. A tree and its fruit. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasures produce evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. He uses another timeless picture. We all understand trees and we all understand fruit. Apples come from apple trees. Grapes come from grapevines. We get it. We still eat fruit today. We are like trees. If we have bad trunks or bad hearts, we are not going to produce good fruit. We need to check our hearts. Verse 45 says, our heart is the place where activities flow from. So at our house, when we're nasty to each other, including myself, we look at each other and say, go check your heart. And that means that gives you the space permission to leave what's happening and to go reflect of what is truly happening. Because our actions come from our heart. Do you remember Shrek? Did Shrek like to say something about an onion? Okay, okay, I'm, I am, okay. So you think of an onion and it has layers. Our behavior is the outside of the onion. But if you go a little bit deeper, there's a reason we are acting nasty, mean, sassy, whatever the word you want to use is. And usually if you get to the heart and look beyond and can really reflect, you can see jealousy, pride, and anger are at the middle, and then it goes to the next layer, and then we're mean, revengeful, and retaliation. And we, that's just what happens, because out of our heart comes actions. So next time you want to react in a mean way, stop and reflect and be like, why? What is happening in my heart? Be real with ourselves. To love others, we need to check ourselves. Judging others. Verse 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give it and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you see, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. 
Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck in your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's. So first we need to check our own heart, and then we need to learn how to not judge others. Jesus says, measure people with the same stick that you want to be measured. We need to look at ourselves and stop judging. When I judge that lady at this establishment, these are the things that I say. She is just not smart. I'd really like to tell her where to put her emails. If she was smarter, maybe she wouldn't send a million emails with all these errors. She just needs to be fired. She needs to learn how to communicate better. Let me tell you her how she should act. All of every single one of those statements come back to either me at the heart being prideful because I think I can do it better than her, anger because she's so rude, and judging where she came from. Have you ever had like this speck of something in your eye and it doesn't, you can't even see the thing, but you can't see and it's like, oh my goodness, like make it stop. And if your friend got poked in the eye and had this huge log, like Jesus says, either way, you're the same. You have a little speck, you can't see, and the person over here who has like this thing gouged out into their eye, they can't see either. What he's saying is we are all the same. We are all struggling. We all have our issues. It doesn't matter. Yours might be smaller, and you might not be able to see mine, but we all have it. There are going to be people in our lives who are going to be rude, difficult, and mean. You're just not going to get away from it. Like, that is life. And I like this word. I used it today a lot. They're very prickly, okay? And sometimes I go straight for the prickles. Eric's trying to be like, no, it's like a hedgehog. You do this way. And sometimes I just go for the prickles. How are we going to react to these people? Are we going to be more rude, more difficult, more mean? It's like putting gasoline on a fire. No, we are to respond in a whole new way. We are to love our enemies even when it's hard. And I'm not going to tell you my reaction to this lady because I think I have, I'm not telling you this because I think I have it figured out because there are plenty of times when I do not respond the right way. I cannot tell you how many times I have typed a nasty response to her ridiculous requests in her texts and emails. But instead of pushing send, I've deleted it and I've said nothing, which is really hard for me. Or I say thank you. When you say thank you to someone, it, it automatically is like a reset because you're being thankful for something. Genuinely thank you. So one time the email was completely rude and instead of responding to her, I brought her a gift. And it was so hard, A, for me, but the look on her face was like, is that for me? And I was like, yeah, here you go. Why are you giving this to me? Because I just want to be kind. I, I just thought you might enjoy it. Okay. Did she say thank you? Oh, heck no, she did not. But my plan is to do it again. Imagine what our world would look like, you guys, if we all believed in Jesus and lived it out. 
there'd be no violence, there'd be no revenge, there wouldn't be cliques or classes or castes, there wouldn't be that, the, the people up here and the people down here, we'd all be getting along. Property and possessions wouldn't be as important as making sure that your neighbor's okay. So imagine if even a few people around us took Jesus seriously and lived like that. Life would be exuberant, different, and astonishing. People would stare at you in a good way. Be like, what? What is really going on? We would be and can be a flower growing out of cement or the landfill. It's a whole other story. We could and would change the world one, rea- one interaction at a time. We could be and can be part of this circle that more and more people learn to love him and know him. This is the last week of our song, and so go ahead, Nick. Minutes. You have said 